are listening to the sermon podcast of Covenant Presbyterian Church. We are a community in Madison, Wisconsin, who gathers to worship, to learn, to serve, and to grow together in God's love. Please visit us online at www.covenantmadison.org, where you can find information about Covenant Ministries, as well as links to our online worship services and sermon podcasts. According to our liturgical calendar, today is the fourth Sunday of Easter. Now, I would venture a guess that most people, certainly in the wider culture, think that Easter occurs on one day, hence the name, Easter Sunday. The notion of a liturgical season of Easter is less well-known, as is evidenced in part by the lightning-quick speed at which store decorations change from eggs and bunnies to merchandise for Mother's Day. What does it mean to be a people who keep the Easter story alive for weeks beyond Easter Sunday? Well, I like to think it reflects the early Christian community's awareness that the fullness of what happened in the Christ event was something more than a singular occurrence, something more than once upon a time. Eugene Peterson, who authored The Message, a contemporary paraphrase of scripture, wrote in his introduction to the book of Acts this compelling description. It is Luke's task to prevent us from becoming mere spectators to Jesus. Of the original quartet of writers on Jesus, and he's referring here to Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Luke alone continues to tell the story as the apostles and disciples live it into the next generation. Peterson continues, the story of Jesus does not end with Jesus. It continues in the lives of those who believe in him. The supernatural does not stop with Jesus. Luke makes it clear that these Christians he wrote about were no more mere spectators of Jesus any more than Jesus was a spectator of God. They are in on the action of God, God acting in them, God living in them, which also means, of course, in us. Peterson's sentiment is echoed in the cover quotation from Benedictine sister and author Joan Chittister, when she wrote, Easter is about dazzling light, but only if it shines through us. The book of Acts, particularly these first few chapters, describes how that light shined through the community and leaders of those first followers of Jesus. It conveys the stories of how the communities of faithful 
heard something, saw something, experienced something that changed them, deeply changed them. Elsewhere in Acts and in other early historical accounts, they are referred to as people of the way. I particularly love that designation because I feel it reflects what I've heard people describe and what I myself have experienced as the essence of faith. It is a way, a path, a journey, and we wander and we fall and we travel much more than a destination with an arrival. It involves following Jesus Christ more than believing information about him. As we ponder these verses in Acts, I think they invite us to consider whether we might discover something about being followers of the way of Christ today. Might their experience shed some light on how we can live into the blessings of this Christ event we celebrate in this place, in this time? As we look to these verses for meaning, one of the first impressions that becomes pretty clear is that, as Eugene Peterson wrote, the way of Jesus is not a spectator sport. The descriptions of their life together are engaging and active. There are no couch potatoes or puke potatoes who sit passively and just watch a show about what Jesus and his followers did. To emphasize this point, Luke tells us that the Christian faith changed where people live how they understood property ownership and their sense of communal obligation in response to anyone experiencing personal crisis. Further, it has changed how they understand something as basic as a meal. How they ate together is mentioned twice in these six short verses with a third reference to the spirit with which they shared a meal, with glad and generous hearts. In Luke's account of Jesus' life in the gospel and those who followed him in Acts, meals play a really important part. Throughout Luke, Jesus eats with a variety of people in a variety of settings, with tax collectors, with Pharisees, in the home of strangers whom the disciples rely on for hospitality and a Passover meal. So it is worth our consideration to ask us where there is some meaning in these stories of meals for us. One scholar notes that for Luke, meals become an opportunity for a social critique and revealing barriers to social interactions. Who is fed at our tables matters. One quickly thinks of the cruelty demonstrated in segregation when people weren't allowed to dine together and even white and colored water faucets were established. 
these dra drastically demonstrate how wrong the spirit of fellowship can be displayed. Then, by Resurrection Day, a new kind of meal interaction takes place. In the end of Luke and the beginning of Acts, meals are shown to be the place of revelation, a defining point in the life of a community. In a book titled Eating and Drinking with Jesus, Presbyterian scholar author Cochrane explores the role of food in our story of faith, and particularly in our Christian scriptures, highlighting the verses in today's scriptures from Act. He described how the early Christians, or people of the way, experienced breaking bread as an act of fellowship called an agape feast, a love feast. They would share in an Eucharistic meal in the morning and then return to their homes and share in these agape feasts, which are described in part in verse 46 as, they broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. In his book, Cochran poses the rather controversial idea that we have really missed the mark or certainly failed to realize the potential blessing by reducing the experience of eating and drinking with Jesus to the sacramental understanding of the Lord's Supper. He contends it is so much richer and so much more. And he points out that breaking bread was meant to be a joyful feast in which the community celebrates with gratitude the blessing of Jesus Christ's living presence in all of life, and particularly when we stop and remember his presence in the breaking of bread. Considering this emphasis, then, meals become occasions for deepening our faith and enhancing our fellowship. Each time we break bread, we are fed by the elements of the earth and nurtured by the love shared in community and fellowship. And Christ is present. This expansive perspective of breaking bread is why we pray before meals. It's why we share our meals with the hungry, because it's where Jesus told us to go. It's why we pay close attention to not just who are at our tables, but who are missing from them. We eat this way in recognition of the holy living presence of Jesus and the bounty of God's gifts as we receive them and share them. Interestingly, as I was chewing on this sermon in my head, I noticed in last week's Covenant Connection that there was mention of potluck on the first Wednesday of the month at noon, a party with cake and lunch for new members and recent baptism families who joined the church and received their baptism during the pandemic. Because something of the fullness of the experience of celebration was missed 
when we couldn't gather together in person. And there's an opportunity to collect food for students at the school we support. All great examples of the blessing of breaking bread and drawing people together in a spirit of fellowship and service. These verses in Acts, in which this joyful, active community response to the presence of Christ is described, also includes a reference to the importance of prayer. So this is also echoed in all places, our book of order. In the governance section, G10305, uh, that's the only time you're going to hear me quote the book of order in a sermon. There, the language is used in our book of order with the imperative shall, which is, is as close as Presbyterians get to doctrine. When it declares, and I quote, meetings shall be opened and closed with prayers. This directive conveys the importance and gravitas of gathering as a community in prayer. In addition to meetings, it's holding one another in their needs in prayer. And what happens when a community is ordered around prayer? Well, uh, I know what happens when it isn't. Um, for a couple of years in between serving churches, I worked in a corporate consulting firm in downtown Manhattan, New York City. I vividly remember noticing how different it felt and the different tone that was set when meetings were not started with prayer without acknowledging the Spirit's presence and guidance. I really missed pausing, setting aside our notions of self-importance, and acknowledging in prayer that everything we do is made possible through God's guidance and grace and spirit. I noticed how an act of prayer before a meeting created a significant sea change in a room. And I remembered how nurtured I felt when people in my communities have told me they were praying for me. Though not described in these six verses in Acts, elsewhere in the Gospel accounts, Jesus expands this notion of prayers that are shared in community to include prayers that root the individual in a deepening sense of and attunement with the divine presence within. Gospel accounts reveal that Jesus himself practiced the rhythm of finding time for prayer as he often ventured out alone for a night or for many, many hours, spending long periods of time in solitude and prayer. <clears throat> I would go so far as to say that personal and community prayer are both essential for following the way of Christ, especially considering the description in Acts of a community in which all is shared for the common good with generous and glad hearts, and where those who have much respond to any who are in need with generosity. 
These actions of self-emptying, of self-giving love, show up in the lives of people who have journeyed deep into prayer and spent time resting in God's love and feel love's pull so profoundly that every decision and every step of their journey is different because of it. This ordering of life, this emptying of self, is central to the way of Christ. And Acts reminds us that finding companions for the way who share in the joy and challenges is key. We know that, don't we? It is also important to remember that the journey will most certainly feature many failures and mistakes. St. Benedict wrote that the spiritual life is this, we rise and we fall, we rise and we fall. That's been on my bulletin board for years before I worked at a Benedictine monastery and realized I was actually <laughs> quoting Benedict. There's just great truth there and great grace in acknowledging that. In fact, in a very few chapters further into Acts, we discover how very far those communities stray from this more idyllic notion we read in chapter 2. But like the images in Genesis at the beginning of the Hebrew scriptures, in which life is ordered in this idyllic sense of God's provision in the Garden of Eden, this depiction in Acts 2 is offering a beautiful description of the idyllic community and power and grace and generosity, one in which all that is lost and broken within ourselves and within each other is held tenderly in the loving compassion of God and in the love we have within the fellowship for each other. And so we gather today. We step onto the path of this great tradition, of this way. Not because we are particularly stellar versions of humanity, but because, like those first followers of Jesus, we have been touched by the life of God's own beloved Son. Touched by his life, empowered by his spirit, to be bigger than our own selfish impulses and appetites lead us to be, to respond with awe and generosity as we gather in our sacred places, as we pray together with and for one another, as we listen to scripture and study, as we eat and drink of the bounty of our fellowship with God, and one another. May that be our way, our path, as we follow the one who gave himself to us so freely in love and calls us to live and love and serve in and through him. Will you please pray with me? <clears throat> o living Christ, in this season of Easter. May we be ever so more attuned 
to your spirit in our midst, that you may be made known in this fellowship in all our bread breaking. And may our joy inspire those who hunger and thirst for the living presence with you and who need deep connection with community so that we would be together, your body, that we would receive your gifts and share them generously with others. May it be so with your grace. Amen. <laughs>